Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is presented by ThisIsBracketRacing.com. As a racer, you invest a ton of time, energy, and money into competition. You deserve to enjoy the fruits of that labor. But to do so, it's imperative to bring the best version of yourself to the starting line in every round of competition. That's where ThisIsBracketRacing.com comes in. This is Bracket Racing houses more than 350 training resources dedicated to helping you reach that goal through understanding and a focused approach to execution. The best part, when you visit thisisbracketracing.com, you get one training resource absolutely free. And better yet, you get to choose that training. It can be related to reaction time, finish line driving, your mechanical setup, or the mental game. Whatever best applies to your specific needs at this time. Hey, take the next step to become the best on-track version of yourself today at thisisbracketracing.com forward slash fast brackets. And remember, open enrollment for This Is Bracket Racing Elite is from July 26th to August 3rd. So use that forward slash fast brackets end link Tell Luke what class you run, what your plans are, and what your goals are. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Today is episode number 15. It is the last week in July, or uh, starting in on the first week of August, however you want to call it, but it is the midpoint of the year in my mind, Um, and uh, we've got a great show for you today, but before we get started, um, I've got to address this, and um, something happened a couple weeks ago that we just have to talk about, Um, and, and if you guys are getting to know me and those people that know me know that I usually don't have trouble making decisions. I'm usually pretty clear headed in this. But uh, I've been holding this back for a couple weeks now. Um, maybe some of it was hoping that it would just go away, or it was some kind of a sick joke. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be a man today. I'm gonna deal with it head on um, and discuss what I saw a couple weeks ago, which was the trailer to Top Gun to Maverick and the sequel to Top Gun. Um, I'm really torn. Uh, truthfully, I am not sure which way to go with this. Um, I don't like it. I'm rooting for it, but certainly uh, stressed out right now because we know that Top Gun is the greatest bracket racing movie of all time. It, it, it's the greatest. There's there's not much debate, and I don't I don't want to get into it. But don't at me with heart like a wheel or the Erica Enders movie 
Um, certainly do not get at me with the fast and the furious and those you owe me a 10 second car deals. It was top gun. It always will be until someone comes and knocks Maverick goose, Iceman and slider off their pedestal. Um, we all learned so much about the sport. First of all, of course, I feel the need, the need for speed. It is real. That is in us. We talk about it every week. Everybody talks about, hey, once I went down the track for the first time, the hook was set. I injected this into my veins. It is the speed. We also know that you never, ever leave your wingman. And if that isn't a life lesson, I don't know what is. Um, But even the rules of bracket racing, uh, don't go below the hard deck. That's your dial-in. Do not go below your dial-in. Jester did, and he's dead. Um, The other thing, don't do any circus stunt flybys. That is, of course, talking about speed limits in the pits. There's plenty of time to make passes, go fast, but in the pits, hang tight. Um, Always wear your safety gear in case you get hit in a jet wash. Um, It happens. We need to have all our safety equipment tight Even the best drivers have issues sometimes. So wear your safety gears. Uh, Another rule that we learned about bracket racing from Top Gun. Always take Polaroids when keeping up foreign relations. This, of course, means that you should use a data logger and go back and look at the data after the run. Uh, Goose did it. He was about a meter and a half, I think, is what he was doing. But we have better data than that today. Um, The other thing, always play volleyball on a sagging four-foot net, greased up and flexing. Actually, that has nothing to do with racing, but that's probably a good rule anyway. Um, But most importantly, when you are in your Tomcat and you are doing battle with that Russian MiG, coincidentally, That is what I'm calling every roadster from now on, a Russian MiG. Um, I'm not even giving their respect. Uh, They are Russian MiGs going forward. When you're doing battle in your F-14 and that Russian MiG is in the other lane, you've got to bring them closer so you can hit the brakes and they'll fly right by. It's the ultimate bracket racing movie of all time. It is literally... Um, I mean, who says that hit the brakes and they'll fly right by that is it's for those reasons, the greatest ever. And I will not come off that. Um, I want, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest here. I want Top Gun Maverick to work, but right now I can't get down with it. Um, I feel like it only has one way to go and that is terrible. I mean, What could possibly go right? What, we learned something new about Pete Mitchell? We don't want to know anything more about Pete Mitchell. We don't want to know anything more about that dude than what we already know, which is he makes the gutsiest moves anyone has ever seen. He also, when he knows what he wants, he goes right after it. Um, He also can tell if a countertop is sturdy or not. And in his spare time, he gets his instructors to make dinner for him. What else could we possibly need to know about Pete? 
I might be okay with it. If A, Goose comes back to life, or B, we finally get a peek at that hot Patty Benjamin. But I'll tell you, I don't like it. I'm not happy about Top Gun Maverick. Um, That being said, you know exactly where I'll be next year when on the date that it is released, I'll be in the front row with my aviators on watching that show. So, guys, I'm I'm torn, but uh, and just had to get that off my chest today. All right, um, we have a great show for you today, though. We have the best of the best, the tip of the spear episode for you today. We have two great guests on. Uh, Sean Herbst is on today with us in the beams. He is an NHRA Division Six top sportsman standout, and we also have Wes Buck. Uh, editor-in-chief of Drag Illustrated and the promoter of the World Series of ProMod, um, also host of the West Buck Show. Uh, but before we get at it, guys, uh, follow us on Twitter at Fast Brackets. Like the Fast Brackets podcast page on Facebook and do it right now. You've already got your phone in your hand or with arms, arm's length. Hit me up. Let me know. Um, send me messages. Your thoughts have been great so far. Um just fantastic. I love it. Keep it up. Um, but hey, get your helmet on, get strapped in tight because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put them in the water box. And what I want to talk about today is the national event point schedule for NHRA competitors. Um, most other eliminators give you three points qualifiers out of six for top sportsman top dragster we get three out of five on the national events plus our divisional entries um i am hearing feedback and i i i tend to agree with it that we need to get three of six much like the rest of the classes do um and i think that is for everybody's good. Um, I'd, I'd like to hear your feedback, but I think it's for everybody's good. And I say, wouldn't three out of six instead of the current three out of five encourage our competitors to enter more events, which in turn would create greater competition, which in turn would create lower bump spots, which in turn would make our classes more entertaining. Um, what I've noticed is that the divisional bumps are typically lower than the national events where there are fewer eyeballs on those classes. So if we got the bump spots lower just through the national competition of things um, at the national events, wouldn't that look good for our classes? I, I will tell you this. I think what the NHRA did this year was a great step in bringing our classes to the U.S. Nationals. My thought is that the next step for all of this is to letting our competitors go and claim three of six at the national event level. What say you? Uh, Let me know on the Facebook or Twitter page. I am interested in your thoughts. I think it is absolutely the next step uh, for us, but um, it is it is different. And I think it's it's the next step. And I want to hear what you think. Okay, let's put it in the beams today. Let's. Uh, this is really exciting for me. Um, hey, our 
next guest in the beams. Uh, if you have not listened to episode 10, go back, listen to episode 10, specifically the half track report. Um, but our next guest is a three time super pro track champion and a division six super pro champion, uh, in 2010, he was your division six top sportsman champion in 2013 and 2018. He's a two time Jegs all-star qualifier, a four-time divisional event winner, and a nine-time divisional runner-up. My next guest called and said, I will take your karma, but I don't need your karma. I'm a champ in my own right from Yakima, Washington. Welcome to the show, Sean Herbst. Sean, nice to have you on. Hey, Rex. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I I don't ever screw up, but I I might have missed the boat just a little bit when I've uh, I I read that you had nine runner ups. Uh, thanks for not taking offense to be me being not the greatest historian. Um, you corrected me on my first mistake ever, so nicely done. <laughs> well, thank you. There's no doubt I would like to be on the uh, on the other side of that, uh, but uh, you know we've been pretty fortunate just to to be where we're at so yeah no, no doubt um you you've had quite a run here um but why don't you take us way back and tell us about how you got started in this sport you know so really it was a, a high school thing for me uh, me and a couple buddies uh decided that uh, we wanted to go fast and uh we put some cars together and started racing our our local stuff uh you know back in the 80s or i'm dating myself um we had uh, a pretty good high school series, so uh, it was a pretty cool deal. We uh, it was school against school, and that's kind of what lit the fire for me. And then uh, said we stepped away from it, um, and I really got pretty heavy back into it in the late '90s, and uh, have really never looked back since. Yeah, I mean, I think most people would um, understand that the car culture is pretty good in Southern California. And, um, you know, and there's other pockets around the state. Um, I don't think I've really considered uh, Washington a really hotbed. Is it, uh, was it a hotbed back in the day? Is it today? You know, it, it was, uh, I kind of grew up in a, in a small town and, you know, we had the cruise the app thing, right? And uh, it was pretty big as far as the call coaching where I grew up. And there was a lot of fast cars and, um, I, I was hooked as long as I could know. Right. right. <laughs> I just wanted to go fast. <laughs> it is in you. Yeah. There's, that's how it works too. There's no doubt. Um, but you've, you've had lots of success or had lots of success on the super pro side of things and, uh, winning track championships and divisional championships. Um, but when did you make the switch to top sportsman? Yeah. So, um, when in the, the 2010, um, race the champions and going to Pomona. That's really what set it off for me. We had we had been running Super Street and Super Gas Divisionals a little bit, and then uh, a gentleman named Russ Allison approached me and um, he talked and he said, "You know, where would you like to go?" I said, "Really, I want to be a top sportsman." And after that Pomona deal, he uh, pulled me aside and says, "Well, let's put something together and go run it." Oh wow! And by 2012, we had the car together, and we made uh, our first car that we ran in Top Sportsman was a 63 split window vet. 
And uh, so we started in 12, and then, you know, by the graces, we uh, won it in 13, um, then had another pretty good year in, in 14, and then we purchased our current car in 15, which is a 2009, 1968 RJ Firebird. Okay. Um, and that car took a little bit to, uh, to get adjusted to because um, it was really when we bought it, it was set up to run on a 10-5 tire. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So you made some changes then. We did, yeah. We made some pretty big wholesale changes on that car. And then um, walk us through the um, the engine and transmission. And what what type of setup do you do there? So so currently we're running a uh, 665 rear Morrison setup. It's it's been really good. Um, transmission we're using a Hughes Pro Glide. Um, I'm using a Cohen converter. And um, actually, starting next year, we got on board with uh, Joe Jolly, and we're going to be running uh, his engine combination. So we're really excited about that and, and looking forward to that. You know, with the class, it just keeps getting faster and faster. So if you don't, <laughs> you're going to be left behind. There's no doubt. Um, and so you were not uh, spraying at all, even with your 665 previously, correct? No, we, no, we had actually originally built that motor as a nitrous motor, but once we got the car all together, um, we were 225 pounds light of meeting the nitrous requirements. So we felt like the amount of weight we had to put into the car wasn't, we, we'd have to spray it too heavy. Okay. And, and is that the plan then moving forward is to stay naturally aspirated? It is. It is. At, at this point, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we're hoping that we can run, you know, low 680s, high 670s on motor. And, uh, of course, if the class gets faster, we may have to look at putting a little weight in the car and add a little bit of spray to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, those days are coming, it feels like, as well. Oh, I, I agree. It, if you just look at the last five years, the evolution of top sports and top dragster, it's, it's crazy where, it, where it's gone and where it's going. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and you, you mentioned, Ross, before, um, who, who all helps with your program in, in this quest to, to uh, continually go faster and improve? You know, I've been pretty fortunate. You know, obviously, first and foremost, I – Got to thank my wife, Tanya, because she's there every step of the way. She's my biggest cheerleader. Um, so first and foremost, her. And then, you know, of course, Russ and Cindy Allison, who actually own the car. Um, and then I have a couple buddies that we go with every race. Um, Jeff Havens, who runs Top Dragster. Uh, Kerry Cost, he's a super gas guy. I mean, those guys have been instrumental, and as well as Mike Sharples. He's... He, him and I have been buddies since we've been kids, and he's always there. He he goes to every race, and, uh, I mean, I, he, he's that guy that I don't say anything to. He absolutely knows what to do, and he gets it done, and I'm never worried about the car. It's it's good to go. That's, that's interesting you say that. I touched on it a little bit earlier in the episode about how there are a couple guys that you just, you know um, – really important to your program and you you never uh do anything to to uh dissuade them or to come along with you and yeah that's uh that's really important sometimes those guys are not in our class but they're they're always at the track with us 
Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and said Mike is a nostalgia guy. He has an altar, but he's all in. He he totally gets it, and uh, we just work so well together. It's it's. I've really been fortunate to to have him there. Yeah, that's 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 really neat stuff. Um, hey, I mentioned it um, the last time uh, when you uh, you know you were in the final. Um, you've been in a lot of finals, um, but is there a final round tracker in your head that says, Hey, I need to get this one to, uh, kind of up my percent or, or you just take it. How, what's your mental thought? When you you go know, to I try not to think about that, but you know, I'd be fibbing if I didn't say it. it's always in the back of your mind. It's like, all right, I need to, I need to get this one done, you know, but it, uh, there's a lot of good racers out there and they bring their a game right and it's it's tough these guys are good well and i think you mentioned to me i mean in in that last event you were actually better on the line but um walk us through that it got out of the groove a little bit and you said hey i'm gonna save this thing and try to run again later this year yeah exactly you know i i had him on the tree pretty good um that said thing got out there about 300 foot and took a hard run at the wall. And at that point I just chose to bail and come back and race another day. Yeah. Which is the smart move. I mean, obviously we have a segment called out of the groove, but we see it time and time again, that guys, you know, they try to bring things back and, um, and it, it ends up costing us more times than not. So, um, you know, I think you made the right call. Um, and, I bet uh, Tanya is happy you did that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, she 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 was very happy. We we ha- we have an agreement, right? <laughs> you <laughs> could do this as long as you're safe and don't be stupid out there. So, uh, right. So it's it's all good. Yeah. No, that's that's really good stuff. Um, well, hey, you've you've had a really uh, really strong run here this last decade. But is there is there a goal in this sport that uh, you haven't accomplished yet that you've kind of got on that dry race board that you want to get to? There is, and it's actually, so, you know, um, the national event monkey, I can't seem to get that off my bat. So uh, we're going to get a shot at it this weekend in Seattle and uh, see if I can get that done. And, you know, we've talked about running for a national championship, but, boy, it's a lot of travel for us. Yeah, you guys are not, uh, you know, locally situated. I mean, you're up there in the corner of it, and um, you'd have to have uh, probably have to have a uh, toter sponsor or something like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, we'd have to have something, you know, and and the time away, you know, I mean, because basically most all national events we're looking at twenty four to thirty hours worth of tow time for us. Right. Wow. And what do you do for a living, John? What uh, what keeps you busy? So I'm a HVAC electrician guy. Um, okay. Worked for the same company, Pepsi, for 32 years, and uh, I'm pretty fortunate there too because they really support this for me. And um, yeah, I'm really fortunate. They always ask how I'm doing and follow me, so it it's a pretty cool deal. Did you tell them uh, put Pepsi on the side of the car, and I'll tell you exactly how I'm doing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, I hey, uh, that is awesome, uh, Sean. I appreciate you reaching out. Um, really uh, glad to have you on today. Um, we wish you the best of luck uh, at Seattle this weekend, and uh, you know, 
keep us posted on that final round record. Thanks so much, Sean. I will. Thank you, Rex, for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Go get them. Today's half-track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. When it's time to make a tough tuning decision, who do you turn to? Of course, you turn to an expert tuner who has seen those conditions before. So, when it's time to make a tough legal decision, who do you turn to? Of course, you need Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. He's a drag racer and someone who has seen those legal conditions before. When you need someone you can trust to give you the proper legal tune-up, go to DragRaceLawyer.com. All right, let's start with the NHRA national event in Sonoma. They competed both top sportsmen and top dragster out there uh, this past weekend, and uh, it was Jeff Conley in top sportsman taking the pole position. He goes six twelve with a seven, so flying out there for Jeff. Um, there were thirty five cars on the property as well, so that bump spot or quote unquote was um, it was seven fifteen, and the winner was Steve Gallio, and he was he was nice in the final. He was fourteen on the tree, one thou under. Uh, to get the double breakout win over Rich Okerman. That is Steve's first national event win, but that's his second win in Sonoma in three races. If you remember, he won the first event of the back-to-back divisional race at Sonoma last week. So so Steve made a nice little run there in about 10 days at Sonoma. Congrats to Steve Galeo. Um, uh Nice work there. On the top dragster side, uh, man, these guys were flying as well. Your number one qualifier at 6.10 with a zero was Taylor Vetter. And he goes 228 miles an hour for the top spot because your number two qualifier was John Richardson, who went 6.10 with a zero as well, but he only goes 223. So, Mile per hour is the tiebreaker. Taylor Vetter goes 228. John Richardson goes 223. They both go 610 with a goose egg. Um, and Steve Will was way off the pace at number three. He goes 610 with a two at 234 miles an hour. So, man, those those guys were moving out there. There were 36 dragsters right there out there, and they they go 673 for the bump spot. So, Really nicely done on both groups out there for the national event. Represents our classes extremely well. Uh, George, George Prather gets the win in top dragster at Sonoma. That is his second national event, Wally. Uh, so nicely done to all those competitors out there, and especially to Steve Galeo and George Prather. Um, all right, let's go to the middle of the country here. Let's go to Topeka, Kansas. The Division Five Double Up event there, um, they ran two races, so that this is uh, this is good, just like they did in Sonoma a couple weeks ago. And starting on the top sportsman side for the first event of the week is Monty Weaver from Lubbock, Texas, in his '63 Corvette. He goes six thirty-one with a five. There were thirty-five cars out there; twenty of them went in the sixes. And your winner um, at the end of the first event there was J.R. Loebner over 
Todd Stahlbomber. The reaction times were even at the at the start. Lobner goes dead on one for the win, so congrats to JR getting it done early in the week in Top Sportsman at Topeka. On the top dragster side, your number one qualifier was John Harry Bond um, in his 2010 Spitzer. He goes 6'10 with a 9. There were 42 cars there, so the bump gets quick. It was a 651.5, and David Harrington is standing on top of the mountaintop at the end of the day, um, gets the win in top dragster in the first event of the weekend. Um, they they quickly turn it around. I think it's a pretty long week for these guys, really. I mean, ultimately, in these double events, you tow once, you race twice, so that's good. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a long week. You haul in on Tuesday. You don't leave till Sunday night. Um, I, I don't know. I'd be curious what you guys think about that. That's, uh, you know, there's positives and negatives to everything in life. But um, I'm curious what you think about that. It's interesting. I like the fact that they're trying it. And uh, curious what your feedback is. Um, but on the second event of the le- the leg, they um, for top sportsman, then Alan Firestone goes number one uh, in his new his 16 Camaro. He goes 641 of the zero. There were 34 cars in the winner um, going. 13 dead on two for a total 15 pack is Christopher Minx in the final gets the top sportsman win on the second leg of that in Topeka on the top dragster side your number one qualifier in the pole position Rusty Baxter he goes 610 with a one there were 43 diggers getting after it in your winner man this was nails um he goes 002 dead three five pack for the win. Bob Button. Bob, nicely done in the finals, man. That is nice. Five pack total to getting that done. Uh, he earned it. He's the winner in Top Dragster at Topeka, the second event there. Guys, that that's it. We had uh, really great action on the track last week, and next week promises to be even better. Um, We'll bring you coverage from the NHRA national event in Seattle in both Top Sportsman and Top Dragster. We will cover the Midwest Pro Mod Series in St. Louis. Uh, That's worldwide something. I don't know. It's always going to be a gateway to me. Um, And then there are divisional events at uh, NHRA Division One in ATCO and the Division Four event in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was rescheduled from earlier this year, if you guys may remember when the tornadoes went through and tried to destroy everything in its sight. So uh, lots of action this coming up weekend, and um, good luck to all those guys getting out there. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here just a little bit. Our next guest, I am really fired up to have him on. He is the founder and editorial director of Drag Illustrated. He is the founder of the World Series of ProMod. He is your host of the Wes Buck Show. Welcome to the show, Wes Buck. How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the the big intro there. That's that's always like surreal, man. It's always surreal to hear anybody like introduce me on some sort of show because I'm just a drag racing fan at the at the end of the day. But no, man, thank you for having me. Yeah, no, we're we're really excited to have you. Um, and primarily, um, 
we're we're excited that what you've done here for our classes is unprecedented. And um, so I'll let you talk a little bit about that. But I mean, the fact that at the World Series of Pro Mod, you have top sportsmen and top dragster running for 10 stacks. I mean, that is awesome. And I cannot wait to see how that shakes down. Um, That is next weekend, right? August 9th through 11th? That's right, man. August 9th and 10th. Two days, I swear, will live forever in infamy. Thunder Mountain, the World Series of Pro Mod returns to Bandemir Speedway out in Denver, Colorado. It is without question the most picturesque, scenic drag strip on the planet Earth. I've been to a bunch of them, and I hate to say it because I hear about it later, but they all pale in comparison uh, to Thunder Mountain, man. There's something special that goes on at that facility the, the way it sets, the way it's carved out of the side of a mountain, the way you can see for miles and miles and miles. It's just the way it's kept, the, the way they present it. It's unbelievable. And, yeah, man, I'm very excited about it. And to be honest with you, I really don't know that I understood the historical significance of what we're doing uh, with Top Sportsman and Top Dragster, courtesy of our friends at MagnaFuel and uh, Menhold Auto Group, because – I wasn't really aware until you and I, you know, Rex, you and I conversation offline that, you know, these guys don't really race for that kind of money very often, if ever. And I did a little bit of research and I, I, to the best of my knowledge, I mean, I don't know that I'm prepared to to put it on Facebook and be beaten to death if I was incorrect. Um, But uh, I'm fairly certain this is the first time that, you know, top dragster has ever raced for $10,000 and maybe just the second time ever that top drag top sportsman, excuse me, has raced for $10,000. So we're super excited about it. We're surely indebted to, to Robbie Ward and Derek Menhold, our class sponsors, but they share our vision, Rex. They see what we're trying to do. And as I've told you before, for, for the world series of pro mod, there is no greater compliment than top sportsman, top dragster. These are cars that are well-kept high performance pro level uh, sportsman racers. I actually feel it's a bit of a crying shame that they're labeled as sportsmen because these guys operate, in my opinion, at a pro level. And it's, um, I don't know, man, it, for me, it's a huge honor to have them be a part of this. It allows us to kind of grow our field and, and get more people involved. A lot of times over the last, you know, c- couple of years, one of the things that I've really racked my brain of, over when it comes to the World Series is just how to get more people involved. You know, how to get more people out there to Thunder Mountain uh, racers to, to participate in the magic, man. It's it's a it's really is unusual. I find I know that I sound biased, but it's a special deal. We, we like bias here. That's all right. We're, we're going to roll with that. Um, <laughs> um, and to set the stage like this is not a uh, 128 car field that we're rolling with for the, for the 10 grand like this is 16 cars, right? Absolutely, man. And and that's one of the things that is just part of our strategy. You know, a lot of this stuff, I mean, there's plenty of things that I've done that I could tell you that I just decided to do the morning of or, <laughs> you know, ever play it by the play it by ear, you know, feel it out by the seat of our pants. But we really are trying hard to stay true to the notion that drag racing, while it's a sport, obviously, and it's a sport that's contested at a high level, that's very competitive. We see it perhaps mostly as an entertainment property. And one of the things that, that we are trying to embrace is really a trend that just exists in society is the, the perpetual shortening of our attention spans collectively. And the drag racing model, you know, not only today, but since, you know, it's uh, 
since the its infancy has been these all day kind of deals. You go to a drag race and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a marathon. You get there on Wednesday, Thursday, you race all day Friday, race all day Sunday, and you hope that if the good Lord's willing and the weather cooperates, you're able to get it all done on Sunday. Our program is is a much tighter show. I mean, our goal will be to kick things off Saturday afternoon at five o'clock and crown a winner by ten thirty. We we want to do a rock'em sock'em robots type of deal because we just we want people to come out and enjoy a drag racing show and go home. We know that the the idea, the belief that we can get someone to show up when the gates open at eight a.m. or nine a.m. and stay till the bitter end, I, I just don't really feel that's likely. So you're exactly right, man. As as much as I would love to have ten thousand race cars out on Thunder Mountain being a part of it, that would be exciting in its own right. In order to maintain the integrity of a show format, we we kind of have to keep it exclusive. Makes perfect sense to me, and I, I have had those same thoughts. I mean, I think so many fans in general, they're used to showing up at a certain time and knowing that they're going to leave at a certain time. And with attention spans shortening by the hour, it seems like, I think all race promoters are probably likely to follow that model if they want to succeed moving forward. I think it's what we're going to have to do if we want to see the sport grow. You know, there's – there's just this the thing that I, I think I run into the most that gets me the most fired up. And to be honest, is one of the reasons that the World Series of Pro Mod exists is we really just felt compelled to try to solve this problem, to try to do it differently, to try to steer the ship somehow, some way, instead of just, you know, continually beating the drum on the pages of Drag Illustrated magazine and dragillustrated.com and our social media channels. We thought, let's put our money where our mouth is and let's, Let's get after doing one of these events ourselves, you know, and it, it's I think it has served that purpose in some point it, it, at some level. And I hope that we see more race promoters kind of adopt this. I've noticed in 2019, the NHRA, you know, our, our sports biggest show has adopted like a, a nitro prime time or some type of deal on Friday night where they right. they have a night qualifying session and it's it's fast paced and it's it's got pyro and music and they're 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 adapting to it a little bit. They're embracing this this notion a little bit. But you're right, man. People are all about instant gratification. They need it now. They need it fast. They want it to be wireless. So we we've got to be willing, I think, to just explore some of these ideas. And we're probably going to screw it up, right? We're not going to nail it on the first try. But I do think we have to be trending this direction. So yeah, man, I agree 100. percent Yeah, I like it. Um, well, I love this event, so I'm really really fired up about it. Um, but I've got to ask you, why go up on the mountain? Obviously, 10,000 uh, feet DDA does not help the cause um, in terms of records being broken, but you mentioned it's a fantastic facility. Talk us through how it came to be at Brandemere. I'll tell you, man, it's, uh, it, that's the question I probably get asked the most. It's so funny. When I first announced the race, I was shocked that no one asked me where the hell I was getting 100 grand. Like I announced the race in February of 2017 and I thought, man, people are going to think I'm crazy. You know, I'm going to, my phone's going to be melting down with people asking me where we're getting this money. And it was funny. No one asked me about the money. Everyone asked me about the venue, like Bandamere, why there, why Denver? And it really, really, really surprised me. And I'll tell you, man, I think it really starts with good people. You know, if you read any business book or you read any self-help book, it constantly points to the people you surround yourself with. And even from our first meetings, 
the Bandamere family, the the group there at Bandamere Speedway are unlike any other that I've that I've dealt with in the drag racing world. These are God fearing, hard working, honest folk that just really believe in the sport of drag racing. And I got to be honest, man, they believed in me. I've been working this angle for about a decade. I was, I mean, I vividly remember the hotel room I I was in literally during a rain out at a drag race out on the East coast. And I, and I vividly remember laying awake all night one night that I dreaming up this world series of pro mod concept invite only hundred grand to win winner take all, you know, all these things that I wanted to do. And I pitched it to racetracks for years, man. I pitched it to people. I pitched it to sponsors. And, you know, I'd get a racer here or there go, oh, man, that sounds awesome. Or I'd get someone tell me, even some track operators, like, oh, man, that sounds great. Let me know when you got the money to do it. And it was the Bandemir family who in the span of three months, I mean, zero to 100 miles an hour. I mean, well, pro mod, zero to 255 miles an hour. I mean, in three months, brother. I mean, we literally went from our first initial phone call, our first conversation about it to a done deal inside of a a few months. And they really believe in me, which is so surreal and humbling. uh, But they also believe in kind of moving forward with the sport of drag racing. I don't think it's any secret that we're having car count troubles in the nitro ranks and fuel racing is kind of going through at the bare minimum, some sort of transitional phase. And they've heard me trumpet the pro modified category as drag racing's universal language. These are cars that are raced all around the world, not just in America. I mean, right now I can tell you, I maintain a list. There's roughly 150 in a close to NHRA legal pro mod cars in the United States alone right now. And that doesn't count all the outlaw cars that exist. I mean, there are a ton, there's a massive inventory of these cars and that can be said in Australia and Sweden and throughout Europe, even in the middle East, these cars are, they look like cars. They're ill handling and temperamental. It takes massive cojones to drive one of them. The people that drive them also own them. So you see guys pedaling the throttle. You see guys bouncing off each guard wall. You know, you see, you see the action that drag racing so badly needs. And I think the Bandemeers go, you know what, if we're going to, if we're going to cast our vote with our wallet, if we're going to invest in a, a specific type of drag racing, they believed pro mod was the the right decision. So that's really a lot of it is just the people, man, the infrastructure, the, the, the all those intangibles, you know? Uh, but I got to tell you, if you step out onto the starting line of Bandemir Speedway and look off into the distance and the mountains and rolling hills, and it, it, it's, it's unbelievable. It's truly a breath, breathtaking facility. And it is a huge challenge for these racers. And I'll tell you, Steve Matusik, he's a, the founder of Air Motor Fuel Systems, longtime sportsman racer and pro mod racer. Uh, he actually said to me a few years ago when I told him that we were doing this race, but we were doing it in Denver, Colorado. And he was one of the few guys, maybe the only guy, who didn't, didn't seem to be alarmed. He goes, oh, that's going to be awesome. And I said, really? He goes, <laughs> yeah, man, none of us know what to expect up there. Right. Nobody has any data. No one's ever made any runs in those conditions. If you went to Gainesville, if you went to the Motorplex, we've made a million runs there, right? But we're all going out there, and it's basically Mars. And it's kind of cool, man, because it's the ultimate leveling of the playing field that nobody's got any idea 
what to expect out there. It could be 5,500 feet. It could be 15,000. Well, 10 or so. Right. But it's uh, it's a crazy thing, man. It kind of throws a little bit of a wrench in the gears. Uh, but it's something that we're pretty passionate about. It. The facility has been great to us, the fan base there, and I left this out. Out on the East Coast, there's a Pro Mod race every other day, right? I mean, there's there's a, a Pro Mod race every weekend. Uh-huh. You go out West, though, they're few and far between. And on Thunder Mountain, this is the only one. So if you're a door slammer drag racing fan and you live within, you know, a few hundred miles of Bandemir Speedway, you're putting World Series of Pro Mod on your calendar. So that's really, really, really important to us to be somewhere where we're going to stand out amongst uh, and be a really, you know, like I said, stand out on the schedule. Yeah, I I love it. Um, I love the action. I love uh, the excitement and the passion that you've put into it. And, you know, like we've got huge purses, the biggest ever for top sportsman and top dragster. And, you know, so for our listeners out there, if you want to try to go win 10 stacks in four rounds, like get out there next weekend and get it done. Dude, we'd love to have them. $150 entry fee. It's a, it's a simple deal. You won't be treated any better. There's, that's one thing that we have a meeting before these events kick off every year. And our first order of business is to make sure that these people are treated right, that they, that they at, the, at the end of the day, whether they win, lose, or draw, I want every one of these guys to walk out of the gate, to, to jump in the dually and head home and, and, know, and have had the most fun, been treated well, been given a great opportunity, and, and uh, like I said, have a lot of fun, man. That's something that we place a high priority on. Thursday night before the race kicks off, we throw a racer and crew welcome party, free food, free beer, bring everybody out, make sure everyone's having fun. Friday and Saturday, it's cool to see Pro Mod Top Sportsman and Top Dragster be the stars of the show. Not not treated as filler, not treated as, you know, what's going to run when the Nitro cars aren't running, but literally the stars of the show. And it's it's exciting to give these guys an opportunity to race in front of a big crowd and for big money, man. So August 9th and 10th, 2019, the biggest, richest Pro Mod drag race in the history of the known universe, man. Thunder Mountain, Bandemir Speedway, uh, we'd love to see every one of you. I love it. Um, Remind us, these events take a huge amount of effort and support. Who's all supporting that um, with you, Wes? Man, I honestly, it's it's really perhaps the most humbling aspect of this entire ordeal has been the willingness of – not only the drag racing community, but the, uh, the, and the industry, but even in Denver, like our, one of our main sponsors, one cure is a uh, Colorado state university associated cancer foundation. They, they do research on cats and dogs on pets, testing experimental cancer treatments, which they then apply to treatments that will be tested on human beings. And later it's, it's an unbelievable cause. And they're a huge, huge part of us. So Colorado state university, one cure, JNA Service, Jim and Annie Whiteley's company, huge part of what we do out there. Richard Freeman, Elite Motorsports, Robbie Ward at MagnaFuel, JR Racecar, Aeromotive Fuel Systems, Bill Miller, Fuel Tech Summit, Strange Engineering, Pro Series Drag Racing, Alanabi Performance. Uh, it's crazy, dude. We're, we're so blessed to have a ton of big-name companies. Brad Anderson, Mark Mickey, Stan21. We, uh, we also get support from Jerry Bickle, Cool It by Thermotech. Yearwood Performance, Flying A Motorsports, DJ Safety, Pro Things Apparel. And the coolest thing is that I'm sure you're familiar with the well, well-known pro stock racer V Gaines. He's based out of Denver, Colorado, and he has an entire family of companies, Winberg Crankshafts, Madcap Racing Engines, Lazarus Race Cars, GRP Connecting Rods. 
Give Tech Pistons and Fine Line Graphics, and they're all right there in the Denver area. So they come out, they display, and they, they help us throw our party on Thursday night. So they, they put up all the bread for the food and booze. So I got I to gotta give a shout-out to those guys. <laughs> of course. Hey, uh, Wes, I, I'm just going to tell you this. Um, I, I think it's going to be a great event, and I really respect what you are about, which is the greater good of the sport. And that's why I listen to your podcast, The West Buck Show. That's why I read Drag Illustrated um, whenever it comes out. Or, and um, I just I just really, really respect what you're doing. Um, you know, what I'd like – I grew up – every time I went to the dentist, I would see a Sports Illustrated laying on the – you know, in the waiting room. How do we get Drag Illustrated in every waiting room of dentists across the country? Well, I guess we get a list and send them all to dragillustrated.com so they can subscribe, man. And uh, I tell you, pay attention. We're always doing crazy, massively insane subscription deals. We really value our readers because they're like our extended family. I never thought in my wildest dream uh, dreams that we would there would be a day that we mailed this thing to you know ten thousand plus hardcore racers uh, every month. But that's that's where we've arrived, man. And it's it's a really cool deal that we have such a passionate following. Uh, but yeah, dude, dragillustrate.com. People can go and subscribe. We're always running crazy specials, but we send out one of these things. It's again, man, we mail this thing to 14 countries, you know, it's, it's, it's truly an international publication and it's been a lot of fun. And I think it's mainly because there's some truth to the fact, man, that we're just trying to make drag racing great again and, and make it and keep it great. A lot of people take offense to that notion because they're protective of their sport, but it's really a call to action more so than anybody else, more, more so than anything else. It's a reminder that it's a work in progress, that we've got to be making an effort. We've got to be promoting it. We've got to be bringing, we've got to be putting on events. We've got to be supporting events. We've got to be buying tickets, taking our friends to the races. We've got to keep working towards growing this sport. Cause I don't know about you, man, but I'm not, I'm not happy with where we're at currently. You know what I mean? And, and I want to see things grow and change, and, and I want to make this pie, this pizza pie, bigger for all of us. So, anyways, man, we'll, totally, uh, we'll get it done or I'll die trying. Totally agree. I'm with you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, good luck with the event next weekend. Guys, girls, get it on at the top of the mountain. And, Wes, uh, come back on and uh, tell us how it went. Say win, brother. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. That was a great Wes Buck here on Out of the Groove. All right. Let's take the stripe here, guys. That is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 15. There it is. There's that wind light. Rob, hey, can you play Gloria? I got lots of heat last week for not playing Gloria. I mean, people are mad that we didn't play it. So, uh, Let's get that going again. Um, special thanks to Sean Herbst and Wes Buck for coming on today. They were both fantastic. Um, next week, you will get, as always, you will get the results from that a kid. Um, results from the races across the country. You'll get some points updates. We need to get that to you. And as always, you will get the best drivers and tech talk uh, for our classes. Um, hey, tell your friends about the show. Like the Facebook page. That really is the best way to count our listeners and show everyone um, how important this class is to all of us. Uh, retweet or the Twitter link or share the Facebook page link. That really helps with the Facebook algorithm. Uh, make a comment. 
I don't care what you say, truthfully, but, uh, you know, if you're listening right now, just get on there and say, hey, Rex, nice work, or you stink, or you got a slow car. I don't care what it is. But uh, if you've listened to this show each week and you get one laugh out of it or if you gain some information you did not have before, just hit that like button, let us know you're listening, and then go tell your like-minded Fast Bracket friends to follow us on Twitter, at Fast Brackets, and the Fast Brackets page on Facebook, the Fast Brackets Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Guys, girls, try to stay cool out there, keep the rubber side down, and travel safe. At this point, you're probably familiar with our latest podcast sponsor. This is Bracket Racing Elite. You know two-time NHRA world champion Luke Bogaki and his team of instructors that includes Kevin Brannon and Justin Lamb. What you may not know is that there's more to thisisbracketracing.com than the premier membership community, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Thisisbracketracing.com houses more than 350 training resources dedicated to all facets of competition. And each of these resources is available for purchase individually or as a portion of the master course on a certain topic, like reaction time, like finish line driving, like tech, and more. You want to become the best version of yourself on the starting line. We all do. This is BracketRacing.com is dedicated to helping you in that pursuit. Give yourself the advantage of understanding and the tools for improved execution. You deserve it. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com, improve fast. And hurry, guys, uh, get it before This Is Bracket Racing Elite closes registration again on August 3rd. I don't know if you knew this, but Luke, after our interview, has went and won two events since then, The three, two of the three these entered in Supercomp. Uh, he absolutely knows how to get it done. And the This Is Bracket Racing Elite registration closes on August 3rd. Get in while you can. So wait. You're going to pay to see a movie that you're mad about? Precisely. That's how I roll. I'm, I don't I don't want it to be bad. Like, I'm going to be with my fingers crossed the entire time. But it's it potentially could be very detrimental to the franchise, and I am nervous as can be. You're nervous about a movie that's a year out? Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I will um, I'll probably get an ulcer about it. There's that's no question. That's interesting, man. I live an interesting life. Hey, good show.